All right. Welcome everyone back to Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. Today we have Jonathan Clark on the line, senior IT manager at Richardson Electronics. And every time I get an IT leader on the phone nowadays, it's a different story. And it could be anything. I have insane stories coming in. I wish I had like a live stream, some kind of, you know, like I, I should have like like a help desk for dissecting popular IT nerds of, of all these different IT directors and some kind of maybe like like a venting platform or a or a some sort of conglomeration of help that we should provide. We should have like a you know, since you guys are the I don't know. You guys are the the savior department. They get a, a bunch of stuff gets kind of dumped on last minute. At least from what I've seen the past couple of days. What do you guys have? So, anyways, Jonathan, welcome to the show, man. Oh, you know, glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So, tell me, what you know? You started off when we, when we first got on the on the phone, and I said, "Hey, how's everything going?" He said, "Well, pretty much everyone's you know freaking out as usual across the world here." But what does that mean for you? What's the um? We're, we're talking coronavirus, obviously. We're talking, yeah. um, and it's not, a lot of people kind of take this as a joke and I don't take it as a joke because my father's 84 years old and he's scheduled to go in for radiation and chemotherapy next week at a hospital where there's active cases of coronavirus. So obviously if he, if he catches it, just being 84 alone could kill him, but now being in a, after getting radiation and chemotherapy, then being in a state of, really highly compromised immune system, it's going it's to make it, it would make it even harder, right? So I'm not, right. I'm not taking this as like, this really isn't like a joke as much as we see all kinds of stuff get, get thrown around. And I think people even lightheartedly just based on what they're dealing with in general in life do, do make a joke out of it as a, you know, some sort of like stress relief. But in reality, can you paint a picture of what, what's the time frame been like for you and what's happened? And we were going to talk about something completely different, which I don't even remember. Um, I probably had some sort of idea, but you know, all of this has happened in the meantime. So let's talk about this. Yeah. So, I mean, the coronavirus, it, it's like evolving day to day, right? Uh, things are just rapidly progressing to more extremes. Um, you know, companies are shutting down, um, and they're sending their employees to work from home where they can. It just seems to be a, a case of now, okay, this is what we're doing, but how long is it going to be? You know, uh, no, I think what will help, and, and this is my fault for not asking you this ahead of time, but I think what will help is to as much as a degree as you're allowed to or you can, give me like a general topography of your network and your end users and how things are spread out uh, for your company. Because I think that te- that will help kind of, It'll, it'll be nice when we hear what you're doing and, and okay. how you're putting together. You know what I mean? Like, what, what, are, what kind of responses are we making to things, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, in terms of the global network, so we have about 30 offices worldwide. Uh, you know, we do have offices in China and Asia Pacific um, and in places like Italy, too, and Europe. So, I mean, these are the countries that I think have been hit the hardest. Uh, you, just only creeping into the USA now and starting to get more of a bigger issue. But in terms of the network, you know, we're pretty much a Cisco platform, although we've been slowly migrating off uh, Dell firewalls, the NSA firewalls, and moving to mainly Meraki, to be honest. I don't know how familiar you are with Meraki, but it's all cloud-based and 
Yeah. It's, it's no, sure. I mean, I'm definitely familiar with it from a, from a hardware standpoint and kind of like an, I call it SD WAN light. If you're using kind of like some of the SD WAN features of it. Uh, yeah. But yes. But yeah. So yeah, we moved to that and we did have actually a dedicated SD WAN provider before for some of our bigger sites. Um, yep. You know, and when I say bigger sites, we're talking like 30 plus people. Yep. Um, most of the smaller officers uh, range between three to 10. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're pretty much a Microsoft shop. Uh, we use a lot of Microsoft products and there's been a lot of, and what do you guys do? I mean, like, what do you guys do? I mean, are we in manufacturing, right? We're not, you know, we're not, it's not Burger King. Um, like, what do we no, do? No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, it makes a big sense because like, you know, you can't send Bur- Burger King employees can't work from home. I mean, they just can't. Right. So do right. we just shut up? I mean, a lot can at the corporate office, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, uh, for the most part, if we're making burgers, man, we're making burgers or we're out of business or we're shut down. Um, so what, to what degree, you know what I mean? Does that affect you? I mean, we, yeah, it's hitting us hard right now because we do manufacture products. Um, we do things for a lot for the uh, Department of Defense, you know, military contracts. Uh, we do some, we do a lot of semiconductor products, um, which are used in, for Intel and Samsung and all those processes that those companies do. Um, but we're also doing a lot with the healthcare industry because our company's been solely based on tubes, right? Power tubes. And within the last five years, we got into um, tubes for CT scanners, you know, so we're, we're moving into the healthcare industry for that. And we have um, an Ulta tube, it's what we've called it. And it's basically a direct replacement for the Toshiba CT scanner tube, the power tube that goes in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are all manufactured here in Illinois. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we the way things are right now, you know, production's kind of halted. You know, we can't expect the manufacturing people and the shipping people to come in mm-hmm. when there's this national pandemic going off. So, so what? What kind of messages? What kind of help desk tickets? What kind of, I guess, stuff has just been? I don't know if it, if thrown your way or have you been proactive about? Or what's the uh, communication uh, lines of communication that you've provided to say upper management or, or what kind of, you know, proactive, I don't know, work from home stuff if you had to do. So, I mean, we've just got over a large infrastructure migration last year and we're now in the process of basically trying to update a lot of the software. And the biggest issue we've seen recently is like, well, all right, we're working from home, but we need to do invites and stuff for uh, meetings. And the platform that we've been on for quite a long time is Link Server 2013. And it's, you know, it's getting to the point where Microsoft doesn't even support that very well yeah. anymore. Yeah, yeah. And we've been trying to get things along. We did have something in the pipeline to move to Skype for Business 2019. Yep. But just... Just over this weekend, actually, um, I got the go-ahead to move users into Office 365 and push Teams out to everybody. Yeah. You know, so literally working all weekend, getting that set up, Azure AD and everything synced up. And now we have users using Teams. And it's, you know, there's no latency issues like we had before because Link was not a point-to-point. Um, communications server, you know. Uh, just you went from like version 1.0, you went from like wor- version 1.0 to like 5.0. Yeah, 
pretty much, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. And so the general reception's been great. Um, mm-hmm. People are using it, and the feedback's been all positive. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they, these are the kind of things we've always had a good setup, I guess, for remote workers because mm-hmm. we have uh, something called Microsoft Direct Access implemented into mm-hmm. our infrastructure. Yep. Or I think the new version is always on VPN. Yep. Uh, and so most of the remote users have instant access to all of our uh, domain and systems. So we're pretty good for that. Uh, but ter- in terms of like help desk support, it's really been, you know, troubleshooting any sort of remote work issues, um, Outlook, uh, the the Teams portion, which was linked. Mm-hmm. Um, gotcha. That's really been it. Okay, nice. What about, um, do you see any issue, and, and just in general, I mean, do you see any issues from, um, I don't know, do you think, do you see any issues uh, with other companies, you know, other than yourself that, you know, with possible security posture, issues like that during uh, times like this? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, for a company to send all of its employees home all of a sudden, it's going to definitely open up gaps in the infrastructure setup, I would think, where, you know, things come up unexpectedly, you just can't connect to certain things, even through a VPN or, or you know, uh, direct access. And mm-hmm. I think it just helps really just make your infrastructure a more solid platform because then you have that ability and everything's just set up, ready to go. Um, like I said before, you know, we do have a lot of remote workers or uh, single person office staff. So we have a pretty good setup for remote workers already, but it's definitely shown us the weaknesses in our, in our environment, such as like link 2013, you know, it just, it had to go. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, what about bandwidth issues? Just curious since I do internet. I mean, is there any type of look like upload drains or anything like that or any type of cloud applications that are suffering or anything? Uh, well, we have a pretty good setup for that. So our, our main uh, production environment is our handled in our headquarters uh, in Illinois. Uh, in fact, we just recently reversed that. We we originally had our uh, production environment in a co-location data center, but we have all a dedicated server room and everything in our headquarters. So we have dual internet service providers uh, with 300 megabytes connection, megabit connection, sorry. Uh, and it's load balanced. So it's really using both pipes at the same time, unless one goes down. So for bandwidth wise, you know, unless the home user has a really slow internet connection, yeah. we've not really seen any issues on that side. Um, I think it's fair to say that most people now have at least a hundred meg connection. You know, if they're Comcast or AT&T yeah, or, yeah. or they're selling their house. Products. Or they're selling their house yeah. and moving somewhere. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Which is like something I almost did. I just got a gig fiber, like, like run. To, I had, like, I live in like a very small town with like a local municipality. So we only had DSL up until like a year ago. And uh, I was considering moving because of that. You, you just really oh, can't right. be in my business and, and have DSL. Uh, so right. the second they ran the fiber loop and I was like, yes, please deliver me the, the fastest that you have. Probably way way overkill for 
my household. Uh, but aside from that, uh, at nine years old, at nine years old, this is, and this is completely moving off, off subject here, but at nine years old, you, you built a Pentium, which ages you, by the way. It does not make you old. <laughs> it does not make you old. Uh, but yeah. when I think of my nine-year-old, uh, let's see, my nine-year-old, could she build a computer? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. But, you know, they can run tablets and all kinds of other numerous things. But, you know, what were you doing at nine years old building? Was that your first computer? What was your first computer? So that was actually my dad's first computer. Uh, <laughs> back in 1994, I think it was, uh, when he got it. And I basically just, I went, took the thing, I stripped it down, I started, you know, playing around with the RAM configurations. And uh-huh. at one point, I even actually, I think I got another processor for it. I think it was, uh, I want to say a 150 megahertz uh-huh. Pentium. And yeah, it really just went from there. But I mean, even at a younger age, um, my parents always told me I had this um, talent or gift, call it, for technology and just being able to disassemble things and reassemble them, you know, in perfect working order. And I guess that's where my passion for IT grew from one thing to another. So yeah, back then um, we had to buy RAM and like RAM sticks, like little like cards of RAM that we would like install on the motherboard and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm. I, and you I still go remember. into like I still like every now and then you'll open up a drawer somewhere or you'll be somewhere you open up a drawer and there's like a bunch of old RAM sitting in the drawer or something. <laughs> yeah. Or someone has like a five gallon. Someone has a five gallon bucket full of them that they're you know going to melt down and recycle the copper or whatever. However we do. Yeah. 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 Nice. Nice. I mean, I. I still have a few um, ISA cards hanging around and AGP graphics cards too. Um, I mean, nobody really ever talks about those anymore, but I mean, that's what started everything really. Um, My dad thought I was smart just because I could make the V like the dual, the, the uh, VHS and the like Betamax and the two VCRs work together and, and link them together with audio video cords and make one record to the other one and also still make the TV work at the same time. Plus any other numerous things, and if someone unplugged one thing by mistake, it was, you know, everyone, he would just go nuts. Like, come, come on, fix this, you know. And you're like, Dad, it's like, look, it says out in, out here, in here, out here, in there. But it was, you know, it's confusing. It's confusing for for other people. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but that was my that was my simpleton. That he, he called me. He thought I was smart because I could do that that simple stuff. Um. So, anyways, how do you you know? How do you get from there to where you are now? I mean, one thing leads to another, right? So, I mean, I, I went to college for computer science. Yeah. Uh, I did a lot of other courses. I've done Microsoft courses. Uh-huh. Um, and then, you know, when you start to get into the bigger stuff in IT infrastructure, you start looking at virtualization and networks. And I've uh, done a lot with VMware and Hyper-V. Uh-huh. And a lot, I'm starting to get more into the software side now, you know, with Office 365 and all that portion. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been in different jobs, different areas of IT. I've done a lot. I've even done the manufacturing side of electronics. Um, I worked for a company years ago where they used to do um, HID controllers uh-huh. for the military, you know, trackables, keyboards, yep. mice. Uh-huh. Uh, did all of that. 
and then got into the analyst side of IT, uh, messed around with a lot of SQL, mm-hmm. uh, did a lot of custom reports. And then from there, it kind of evolved into more of the administrative side. Um, you know, again, pretty much similar role to what I'm doing today, but a little bit more smaller scale. Uh, of all of this stuff, what do you think was the hardest, the biggest learning gap or the biggest learning curve? Biggest learning curve? Yeah. Uh, and it, might, it might be something completely different. It might be like the leadership portion or it might be the, uh, I don't know, working on a team or communicating. I mean, it could be anything. I, you know, the, the part that I've always had, I guess, problems with is the, the, the network side of things. Uh, I've gotten a lot better over the years understanding, um, you know, the the way that everything interacts and mm-hmm. I'm starting to catch up with IPv6. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would say that's probably the area that I, I most struggled with in the past. Okay. Um, and w- I guess what was the solution? I it just, you know, digging into books. Um, doing classes and just really learning as you go. I mean, I've done a lot with the with the Cisco stuff and the CLI, and then mm-hmm. you know the the Meraki stuff is completely different, obviously, because it's all cloud. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Dell switches. You know, they all have their own type of CLI. Let uh, me ask you this: I'm just curious from like a leadership standpoint because I've gone down the rabbit hole of some place where I haven't had experience. For like two years, I've literally gone down a rabbit hole. And then for like two years, it's trial and error and learning and reading and courses and traveling and, and all of that for, you know, just like a, a piece of the, like just a piece of knowledge or a piece of the business that I didn't have access to. And in hindsight, now I'm thinking back, like, could I have, am I too much of a control freak? Am I too much that I need to know myself? Um, wh- why didn't I just, you know, hire somebody else to do it? Why didn't, like, why didn't I just hire the expert to do it? And a part of me says, well, you didn't have the knowledge base enough to know who the expert would be to begin with. Um, or you should learn it yourself. There's kind of like a double-edged sword there. Like you need to have enough information to know who's really good at it as opposed mm-hmm. to I'll just hire someone and, and hope that they're the best. Does that make sense? Right. Um, yeah. I mean, like, what would you do now? I mean, like, do you have like a network jockey now? Like, do you have like your network guy that's like, no, like, do you have different specialty yeah. people? You know what I mean? Like, what do you do now? We, we actually stole somebody from Sears um, headquarters. <laughs> I don't think you had to steal ago. him. You know, I don't, I don't think you had to do much to steal him away. Like, no. you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Anyways, go uh, ahead. He's a Cisco certified guy. Yeah. Uh, really smart. Uh-huh. knows how to document everything well and configure everything well. I mean, the Meraki portion was a little bit of a learning curve for him, but he's gone on board with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like you said, you know, for me, it's been a case of I needed to know enough about networking to be able to do the stuff that I can do very well, which is the server side. Uh-huh. You know, it's, you need to have at least a basic understanding, I guess is what I'm, I, I would say to be able to work with the rest of the infrastructure. Um, Cause you know, it's all, con- it's all connected. Um, you know, your, your storage, your server, your compute, and then your network. They're your real free big keys, um, free key parts of any infrastructure. So 
Yeah. Yeah. Then, okay. So on, on the flip side, what has come very easily, I, I guess, I guess, uh, yeah, again, on the flip side, what's come very easy to you in this whole, this whole job where we're managing multiple different silos that support various different aspects of the company that support different departments and end users and, and their jobs and, and the ability to create, you know, efficiencies and all that. What would you say that you is like your biggest strength? This sounds like a job interview. We're not really interviewing you for the job. I'm just trying, you know, I'm just, uh, it's just what's coming to my mind right now. My biggest strength has always been the understanding of hardware, right? I know how all the components work together and therefore I know which components, you know, for a custom server build or a custom computer to, to purchase, you know, because we, we do a lot with SolidWorks. So we have a lot of custom CAD stations uh-huh. um, built in-house. And that's the okay. other thing as well. You know, I, I, although I manage the department on the top levels of the company, I do a lot of hands-on stuff still. Um, you know, I have a team of eight people, uh-huh. uh, which for the size of the companies isn't bad, but there's definitely strains sometimes. But I still, I still get heavily involved in projects. Um, like I said earlier, we did a, a big hardware refresh last year, and I led that from start to finish. But I was, you know, hands-on throughout the whole project. Yeah, what what did you guys run into any roadblocks on uh, when when you're rolling stuff out? You you running into roadblocks on that? We had a few issues, um, nothing major. Uh-huh. Uh, we we did do a, a big change in the sense that we went from Intel Dual Prox to AMD. Yeah, and AMD actually did a case study. I don't know if you you saw that or not on the migration that we did. Um, VMware played a big part in that too because we went from a converged infrastructure to hyper-converged. Okay. And that's, that's given us a big boost uh, in performance. Not just from that, but we went from 1 gig to 10 gig on the network, and we went full NVMe, all flash. So, okay, so what happened, like what kind of measurements and statistics did you guys, you know, from I guess like a return on investment and productivity from a productivity standpoint, obviously if you're dealing with CAD documents and different things, I'm assuming there's a lot of areas where that could have happened. This is, you know, I'm not muting out my kids in the background. Sometimes I mute my kids out in the background, but because everyone's (laughs) working from home, like I'm like, I'm ready to open up the door and just let the kids scream. So you can hear all the, all the craziness that's going on in the background of my house. I don't know if if people are going to hear that. Maybe it'll come out in the recording, but anyways, uh, back to what's important is uh, productivity. Um, What kind of, um, you know, like, did, do we have any kind of presentations that we made to board or executive directors or anything like that where people, you know, you know, like, what kind of productivity increases did we see? I mean, I mean, the time difference in just applications loading was, it's so different, not just for the user base, but for us in IT. I mean, we used to load, you know, remote desktop into our domain controllers and it uh-huh. used to take... 30 to 60 seconds just to load the server manager. Uh-huh. Um, and then, you, you know, it, it's painful because we try and get into uh, the Active Directory and load that up. And it's just the limitation, limitations of spinning disk, you know, it's, it's old technology. So we were not getting anywhere. And we did a lot of benchmarks with the new stuff. Yep. Um, we had a, a tool recommended by VMware for the hyperconverge. Um, 
statistics that we ran. But I mean, just from the, the disk read-write speeds that we tested and did present to the board, you know, we were talking going from a 100 megabyte read-write speed to, I think it was like 4.6 gigabytes. Um, Which is obviously a, a massive increase. Massive increase. You know, yeah, so for our SQL applications, mm-hmm. you know, our CRM, SharePoint, all that, it just, mm-hmm. you click on things now and it's instant. Did anyone send you emails like, thank you so much? Like, this is great now. I'm no longer like wanting no. to kill myself. <laughs> no, we, we didn't. Class, classic. <laughs> All right, good. You did your job. Um, what's next? Uh, in terms of, <laughs> terms of oh, infrastructure good. or projects or? No, just in general. I'm assuming like anyone, anyone accessing a SQL server, I, I just know the pain from past experiences of having, you know, just data entry and stuff like that. Um, you know, how many end users touch your, touch your SQL database on a daily basis? Uh, on a daily basis? I mean, it's probably at least 500, 500 people. Um, I mean, it's not, again, we're not a huge company, but yep. it's very heavily, intensely used. Uh-huh. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. And how many of those, of all those end users, how many were working somewhere like physical in an office and are now working at home? I'm going to say at least 95%. And did you have like, so did we have some kind of like dynamic VPN or like, how, what, uh, was it just fairly easy for them to switch from at home to like, what was the learning curve for people going from in the office to at home? Well, again, it, it goes back to us having uh, direct access. So it's part of group policy. All the computers in our domain have it already. So if they do go off site, uh-huh. they, it's like seamless to them. It's seamless for them, yeah. And if we have experienced issues in the past, then that's where we implement the, we push out the Cisco VPN uh-huh. so they can turn on the client and they can still connect. So we have plenty of backup systems to, you know, in case something doesn't work. Okay, that's outstanding. And the, I mean, are you guys prepared for this for like the next, you know, six months or whatever? What is this going to look like for your company like over the next six months where people are working from home? I mean, from, from IT's perspective, I think we should be okay. Um, yep. If I talking to other companies, I think we're actually doing better than most, I think. Um, I would say so for sure. Uh, so yeah, I think where it's going to hit us most is the manufacturing side. Um, okay. I think the companies that we supply to are suffering just as badly. So yeah. I, it's really a time thing now, you know, this virus has just got to go. <laughs> yeah. 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 What's, um, I mean, just general, um, uh, I mean, ge- like general, like the general feeling across the a general feeling across the company. Is it like people are like, well, great. We're working from home now. Or is it kind of like, uh, a little bit doom and gloom or, you know, what's the general kind of like consensus? It's, there's a little doom and gloom for sure. I think people are unsure of the near future, you know, what's going to happen. Are, you know, are we going to be back in the office next month or is this going to go on for, for further? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, just from my wife, you know, my wife works as a social worker in schools and they're all shut down. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. there's talk, just talks about them being shut down for the whole school year. So oh, for sure. I think it's going to be six months minimum. Right. 
I mean, that's just me. I mean, thinking I'm not even trying to be negative about this. I'm I'm just trying to be realistic. I think even if China uh, starts sending people back to work, it's gonna, you know, it could reignite like another, you know, another spread of cases, if that makes sense. You know, mm. um, at least that's kind of like what some of the CDC guys are, are showing and predicting, right? Like, even though the cases are going down in China right now, maybe that's because everyone's still on lockdown, right? But when right. we open up factories again and, and thousands of people are like close to each other on the, you know, on the subway, you know, et cetera, um, that's, that's a different dynamic. So, um, uh, I don't want to say like interesting. I don't know if that's really the word. It's just, um, I'm kind of in like a in like a, a weird kind of emotionless state. I think uh, a day to day. But uh, do you have any kids? Do you have anyone that you have to like? Do you have kids at home or anything like that? No, not yet. Uh, yeah. I want to say, you know, thankfully, but you know, we would like kids at some point. But I think parents with kids right now have the extra worry. So kind of. I got eight kids at home, so I have eight kids at home. But they've always been homeschooled. Like we started homeschooling like years ago, so it's kind of like. I don't think our kids even notice like to them, it's just like, like another day. Um, so there's not this kind of like weird kind of taking out, taken out of like their entire social atmosphere and everything like that. It's just, um, uh, I don't think anyone in my household really kind of, at least the kids don't, the kids don't re- really recognize it. Um, so that's kind of different, but then I see all the, all kinds of other parents that are like, well, you know, what do I do now? Like we got homeschool. So it's like, you know, okay, we got recess followed by lunch, followed by recess. So, right. Oh yeah. So anyways, for any other, anyone out there listening, uh, any other IT directors, like any words of advice or anything like that? Like anything uh, that's been super helpful to you. So again, you know, this show is for, uh, I mean, this show is really for mid-market IT directors. It's for IT directors that manage, you know, hundreds of users. You, like you said, you have eight people out of, of out of how many employees? 500 pretty much. So you have a great ratio. You have a, you have a, you have a, uh, you know, like it staff to end user ratio that is significantly better than most. The average that I've seen is at least like a hundred is at least like one to 133. So you're like one to what 80 or something. I don't know. I can't, I'm not doing that math in my head. You'd probably be able to do that math better than me in my head. So you have a pretty good, um, you have a pretty good uh, ratio there. So what's your biggest learning, Ben, or your piece of advice to anyone out there listening right now? Is it going, uh, I mean, is it going to Microsoft Teams? Should we plug Microsoft? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, I, Microsoft sometimes is a love-hate relationship. I'm sure. Why is that? Ice- I need to ask why. <laughs> because, you know, if I'm going to criticize anything of Microsoft, it's important. There, we've had. Thank you. I'm, I'm, you know, I didn't say. I have to have. When I say it, it's like skeptical. When you say it, it's true, right? (laughs) Because I help people migrate to Microsoft Teams, right? Like that's like one of the main things I do that most people don't know is I help I help people migrate off of old phone systems, and um, you know, if they, God forbid, they still have a you know, an email server on site, but I help people migrate to, you know, to teams and even, right. even take their voice services over to teams. Uh, and people think now teams isn't, it's not fully baked yet. And they don't realize that there's like Microsoft direct routing partners that will provide a full help desk for them for free. So they don't have to call what I call 1-800-GO-POUND-SAND, you know, which you're saying is support. So anyways, please, 
please, I, I'm, I need you to go on about this. Why is, there, why is support their downfall? And why can't you get better support for them? Because don't they have like their enterprise next tier up kind of gold and white glove, you know, thing for you? So, yeah, I mean, we, we have an EA agreement with them. Uh, cause we, obviously, we buy everything Microsoft for the most part. Um, but then they, they're restructuring right now in the background for the support and they've got something that used to be known as Premier Plus and now it's, <laughs> it's called Unified Support, I think. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we want- to, maybe we, 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 can, we consolidated people. <laughs> right. Anyways, I know how these calls, I know how this works, but anyways, keep going. Wait, what is it so, called now? Premier Plus, you went from Premier Plus to what? Uh, well, we don't. We still don't have this. We're still on the EA agreement for the twenty-four-seven problem request. Uh-huh. Um, and part of the reason for that is because they want you to sell right kidney just to pay for the unified support. I mean, the cost, especially in the situation right now, is just you know astronomical just for one year. And how much is it? You know, yeah, I mean, for us, I think it was a little. Hundred and thirty thousand for the year, and what does that get you? Uh, so that gets you a dedicated account manager for support and various other things. They also offer um, deep dives into uh, you know your Active Directory structure. You know, basically doing health checks across your systems. Uh huh. And it gets you supposedly better support from. Uh, you know, an employee in Microsoft in the U.S. To do what? I guess. Where do you need support the most? I mean, for us, it's usually been SQL and, um, odd, you know, these weird anomalies that come up in Microsoft products. Uh, we recently just had one where uh, process flows were failing in SQL, and we literally had a case open with Microsoft for three months, and they still couldn't figure out what the issue was. I'm taking notes. So, this is the most you've made me right. This is the most you've made me right throughout this entire thing. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know, we are so, publishing this episode on LinkedIn, a Microsoft-owned company. I do love Microsoft. I have nothing wrong with them. I, again, like I said, I do help people migrate to Teams. We're just trying right. to, you know, we're trying to better this process. You know, this is, this is, this is uh, feedback. We, we call this uh, yeah. positive feedback. Yes. Go ahead. I mean, this, the products are really good. I mean, you know, Teams is fantastic. Yep. You know, it's just only going to continue to evolve. So that's great. Their 365 platform has really come a long way. I, I tried to set it up five years ago when it was fairly new. Uh-huh. And it was... Try it was and mad. fail. Okay. Yeah. Now, the philosophy that I've heard, and this might be, um, how do we say, uh, not urban legend, but what's the, you know, what, what do we call it when we say like, you know, the one percenters are ruling the whole world and there's this whole secret society and everything. Why can't I think of the word right now? I, I think anyway, I know what you mean. Yeah, you, know what I mean. you know, so there's yeah. this, uh, maybe like, you know, maybe hidden understanding that Microsoft charges you $130,000 a year for a dedicated account manager because they actually don't think you'll buy it and they don't want you to. They actually right. want you to go to a premier partner or someone else because they just want to sell you the licensing. They don't want to be a support organization. They want to be a software organization. They want to deliver. They want to make their products and, and, and let someone else support you. What do you think about that? 
I think that's a pretty accurate statement. And I think <laughs> a lot of companies yeah. are doing that. Um, a lot of the big software companies, at least. Uh-huh. It, it, it's kind of similar to what we just had to go through with HP. So, you know, for managed print services, they pretty much told us, go to a, another provider for your support. Um, we just want to sell you the, the printers and that's pretty much it. And this is like my argument every day. I try to tell people this every day. Look, you really don't want to buy your dedicated internet service and your access to the public switch telephone network directly from the providers. Because right. their, entire, their entire goal is to sell you, get you into billing, into billing, and their level of customer support is always going to be a call center. Even if it is a call center, and people always ask me, is the call center in the United States? Who cares if it's in Manila? If it is in Manila, it could be drastically worse. Okay, so, all right, so it's still a call center. You understand? Right. Like, you are still calling a call center. It's still going to be an hourly employee. How... Um, what are the chances that that person is going to have the same level of technical experience that you have as an IT leader with eight to nine, 10 other people on your team with a, you're calling in to support most likely a somewhat of a highly technical issue. What are the chances that you're going to get that person on the phone that can actually help you? I mean, in my experience, it's been 50, 50. Um, <laughs> Can you transfer me to the knock? Transfer me to the knock. I need to speak with Jim. He sits in cubicle, whatever, and <laughs> he works yeah. Monday through Friday at this time. Jim doesn't work here anymore. We've definitely been ping ponged around um, different support agents. Look, some uh, com- where- companies are great. Some companies are great. I'm not. I'm not knocking that. I'm just like yeah. speaking in general because you brought it up. Um, yeah. So, anyways. How did we even get on that subject? I was asking you a piece of advice for anyone out there listening. Um, and somehow we got on Microsoft and support and that being a pain point. Don't ask me how we come full circle here. But uh, any, to, to our listeners out there, um, you know, what can you give back? What, what could you say that might be very helpful to people? I would say to any company out there, any IT director you know, that's looking at hardware refresh or different solutions, whether it's moving to the cloud or wherever, uh-huh. to seriously look at hyper-converged environments. Um, converged environments are just going the way of spinning disk, basically, is the way I look at it. And why would they not, though? Why would they not, I guess, is the question. I mean, I guess maybe fear of the new technology. It's still, I, I don't want to say it's still new, but it's still definitely in development in the case of it's still evolving definitely mm-hmm. with the VMware portion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess sometimes there's a fear in there, you know, you're making this such a drastic change where you're taking out a portion or we're not really taking anything out. You're molding it into one uh, solution. And so let me ask you this. Why not create like a little small test environment first? Why not do something to give you that level of confidence? Well, I mean, a lot of, um, Hardware providers offer you that. You know, Dell did right. that for us. They uh-huh. set up a, a virtual environment for us, and we played yeah. with it. And that's yeah. how we came to the conclusion. You know, yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely would say there's there's a huge amount of cost savings right now that can be done with a hardware refresh, especially with what AMD is bringing to the table. And I will give them a lot of credit, you know, and kind of a shout out if you like, 
Okay. I wish they'd give me at least a, a, a gift certificate to the Outback. You know? <laughs> right. you know, whoever your guy is over there, can you say, hey, there's this dude. His name's Phil Howard. He's got a big beard. He's on LinkedIn. I was on his um, a podcast. And I just want to let you know that I gave um, you a shot, uh, shout out and you should probably contact him. So whoever your <laughs> guy is, have him call me so that anyone that listens to this show, I can refer them to him and he can send me a gift certificate. You know, I need to make money somehow. <laughs> well, I mean, I was supposed to go over to their headquarters this uh, yeah. June, but I guess that's that's shot to hell right now. So, oh wow. Um, yeah, let's do yeah, it. I mean, on the back end. You know, send me this on the back end. We'll make a you know. Um, well, let's. Go. He's a sales guy, right? Yeah. What's his name? Uh, you know what? You've got a different name. I've been talking to so many people at AMD. Okay. You find, let's find it. We'll put it in the, I'll put it in the summary of the show. First find out, well, maybe, maybe just, you know, maybe it's like, we shouldn't just name them just because we're on the show here, but find out, <laughs> ask his permission. I'll put it in the, I'll put it in the subject line of the show. And we'll be like, call this guy and let's see what we can do for him. Maybe he'll be really happy. Um, man, uh, been great having you on the show. Um, really appreciate it. Uh, keep me updated on anything that happens. Like, you know, if you have any um, interesting stories or anything, I'm, I kind of want to track this from like an IT director standpoint on how um, the, you know, the world is changing and life is changing right now. I kind of want to, I want these stories of what people are running into. So really appreciate you taking the time today. No problem. Appreciate yeah. you having me on. Yeah, man. <laughs>